For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Praise the Lord. Embrace the love. Praise the Lord. I want to thank you for tuning in today. If you want to open your Bible to John, John chapter 8, we're going to start there today. And if you want to go to our website, crossboundministry.com, send us an email and we'll sign you up for our, our newsletter. And by doing so, we'll also send you a free e-booklet, What Happens Right After a Christian Dies. Amen. So in John chapter 8, before we read the verse verse, I want to tell you where we're at in the story. The feast of the tabernacles had just ended, and then the last verse in chapter 7 tells you, and every man went unto his own house. It was over. You know, at the end of the day, after a big day, everybody's tired. Hey, where do you want to go? I want to go home. There's no place like home. Amen. But where did Jesus go after that feast? Well, you have to read verse 1 of chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. That's where he went. And so this verse is linked closely with that last verse in chapter 7. You know, when everybody's tired and everybody goes home, everybody wants to shower and you want to lay your head down, you have to remember what Jesus said. The Lord had nowhere, foxes have holes and birds have their nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus did not have his own house. Jesus did not have his own bed. Jesus did not have his own place to go to. And that, they tell you that, hey, Jesus did not have his own home. He didn't have no, no earthly possessions except for his garments. And so when everybody else went home and kicked back, took a shower, put your feet up, hey, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And verse 2, John chapter 8 and verse 2, and early in the morning, he came up again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and he taught them. Hey, Jesus gives us the best example for life, doesn't he? Jesus gives us here the great example is of rising up early. Many times in the Bible, Jesus rose up early and for several different reasons. Here he rose up early. He's going to the temple to teach. He had something to do, but also Jesus would rise up early and pray. Mark one thirty-five tells you, and in the morning. Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there 
prayed. Hey, Jesus got up in the morning. He wanted to have a walk with his heavenly father and he did it on purpose intentionally. The Bible says that he got up early that morning for that purpose. I know from my own life, from my own personal life, that when I choose to rise up early, when I choose to get up early in the morning and read my Bible, I have a deeper walk with God. When I choose to rise up early and pray, I have a better walk with God on that day. But not only that, I accomplish more on that day. I don't feel rushed or near as frustrated or flustered on that day that I choose to rise up early and talk to the Lord. Amen. It's got to be done on purpose. I'll just tell you a little about myself personally. I got saved a little bit later in life. I already had kids and a wife. I could not just take off the Bible college. I couldn't just drop my job and leave my home and bills. And so by waking up early... That's how I put myself through Bible college. I would get up early and I would work until seven o'clock on my schoolwork and then I would go off to my regular job. And I did that every day for quite a few years until I completed that Bible college. Why? Because I wanted, I had a goal and this is what Jesus had. He had a goal. Hey, I'm rising up in the morning and I'm going to the temple to preach and to teach. He had a goal. He had motivation. And when you have motivation, you're going to get up early. But on the other hand, and this is from my own personal experience and watching other people, if I just choose to stay up late instead of going to bed early, I don't have near as much time or no time for God in the morning. I've got to go. I'm late. I slept in. I waited to the last minute. I feel rushed and flustered all day. My mind is blurred and cloggy, and I just can't get nothing done. Nothing's going right. Why? Because I chose to stay up late. Can I just tell you another factor of that? When I stay up late like that, that I have a much harder time controlling my appetite. I want to eat everything when I sit up late like that. Can I just ask you, what do you accomplish by staying up late? Do you accomplish anything that is constructive? Because most of the time people don't. You watch TV or junk food or or this or that or play games, but it's nothing constructive. But hey, when you rise up early and you read your Bible, you pray, you walk with God and you talk with God, man, it starts out your day right. So follow the example of Jesus. Hey, go to bed early and get up early. Amen. And I understand sometimes people work night shift. I totally understand that. I'm not saying that. But if you have a choice, I believe that it is much better to follow the example of Jesus. And will you get made fun of? Yes, people still poke at me, make fun of me, but I go to bed early and I get up early, amen. And so here all these people, they came to him, they sat down, Jesus was talking to them and teaching them. And notice those people came to him, they were looking for the truth and people are still looking for the truth today. Oh, they're looking for the truth. They may be looking in the wrong places, but they're looking, they're looking for the truth. Can I just say the only real truth on this earth is God's holy word, the Bible. John chapter eight, verse three, the next verse. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, Now, notice the scribes are involved now. 
says those scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes, and they were a group of men who taught and copied Scripture. They knew it, the Old Testament. And the Pharisees were so anxious to trick and deceive the Lord Jesus and to saying something wrong and to getting him tied up, twisted with words, so why they would have a charge to bring against him. That's what they wanted. And so they, they brought the scribes with them. And you just remember this. There was a lot more after Jesus than just those men. There was a lot more after Jesus than just those scribes and those Pharisees and those religious leaders. Oh, there was a lot more after Jesus. There was some serious dark forces. Satan, the devil, the deceiver was hard at work trying to destroy Jesus. And let me just tell you, those same dark forces are here today and they're trying to destroy you. How are you going to defeat them? With the truth, with the word of God. The Bible tells you this in Ephesians 6, 12. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Just let me tell you, even as a man, no matter how big and bad you think you are, you read that first part of that verse, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a, a knuckle and fist fight and you will never win it that way. It tells you that you are raging war against spiritual rulers of the darkness of this world that are in high places that have supreme power, so much power than we could even imagine. You could never defeat them on your own. You never could. But when you have the word of God hid in your heart that I might not sin against thee, amen, that's where you can defeat him. Because one of the biggest battles, the biggest battle where Satan is going to attack you is in your mind. He's coming after it. He wants to twist it and manipulate it and turn it and churn it and do everything that he can to stop you from living to the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe if he can't get to your your mind, he'll come after the physical part of you or whatever case he can, whatever God will allow. But listen, you can defeat him with the word of God with Jesus. Amen. Ephesians 6, 16 tells you above all, it says above all, above everything else, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. How important is faith? The Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Where is your faith at? Your faith needs to be in the word of God. Amen. And so they had just brought a woman and she was caught in the very act of adultery. I am sure she had to be humiliated as she was drug out into the crowd, into the middle of the crowd. They probably made her face Jesus as they're saying, hey, we caught this woman here in the very act. I'm sure she was quite humiliated. In verse number four, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken adultery in the very Act the accus the accusation of adulteries was made against this woman, and it was undoubtedly it had to have been true. 
And so there is no reason to question that she was caught in adultery. She was. But let me ask you this. Where was the man? They caught her. Where was the man? Was he a man of prominence, a man of respect, or a man of renown, or a man that was financially well off? Where was the man? Why is the woman paying the price? Why would they not bring both of them to Jesus? Oh, many times the woman will get the short end of the stick when it comes to out into the world. Amen. But they shouldn't. They shouldn't. That man should have been drugged there in front of them too. If they were truly going to be fair like they thought they were going to be, like they thought they were following the law, hey, they would have had the man there too. John chapter 8, next verse, verse number 5. Now Moses in the law. Now this is the scribes and the Pharisees talking to Jesus. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? They asked Jesus that question. They, they, wanted, they wanted the Lord to contradict the law of Moses. They were doing everything they could to trick him and hey, and if they could succeed, if they could succeed in doing that, they could turn some of these common people against him. So they reminded the Lord of Moses' law, and it commanded that that person taken in the act of adultery should be stoned. Again, I say, where is the man? He was had to have been caught. If she was caught in the act, I dare say he was there too. And so, for their own wicked purposes, though, these Pharisees they hope. That the Lord, they were hoping that Jesus would disagree with him. And so they would have something to attack him with on that subject. And so they thought that justice and the law of Moses demanded that she should be made an example in front of all the people. Like, look at her. Look what she's done. Look at this. This has got to be made right. We've got to make an example out of her, this center. You know, there's a saying in the Christian world, that we shoot our own wounded. I hate that saying, and I hate that Christians are that way. I hate that even people are that way, but it's more than people. It's human nature. It is. But as Christians, how much more we should not be like that. So as you think of this story, these scribes and these Pharisees and this woman caught in the act of adultery, and they drag it in front of her, and here they are accusing her. I want you to think of also yourself, and also with that saying about Christian shoot the wounded. Let me just say, it comforts and quiets a depraved heart of a man if he can only find somebody worse than himself. Oh, look at them. Look what they did. Look at that. Look how that's going. Hey, then they think, they think the greater sin of another excuses their sin. It makes them feel so much better about themselves. I didn't do that. Look, can you believe what they did? Oh my goodness. You better pray for them. Uh, my goodness, what a wreck that is. Hey, you see the sin they're in? And so they're, they're kind of lifting themselves up. But all the while that they're doing that, all the while that they're accusing them violently and vehemently of blaming another and pointing the finger and mocking them and running them down and shooting them. Hey, that person is forgetting their own 
evil, and thus he is rejoicing in his own iniquity. I want you to stop and think about that. The next time you have a thought to look down on somebody or shoot the wounded or run somebody down, hey, is that really right? Hey, is that really what God wants from me? Hey, is my heart really right if I'm stomping on and running those people over with words or literally or physically or whatever the case may be, and that I'm lifting myself up. Look at them. They think, look, I'll just... They are just lifting themselves up and they are rejoicing in their own iniquity by putting someone else down, thinking that that greater sin excuses their sin. Oh, what a joke that must be in the eyes of a holy God. Amen. And so this is where that saying comes from. In the Christian world, we shoot our wounded. Can I just say there's a lot of pride in that? You know what pride says? Pride says, I am. Pride says, I'm better than them. Pride says, I never did that. Pride says, I would never do that. And I have learned this. If you have a quick temper, you are battling with pride. You most certainly are. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17 has a lot to say about pride. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the very first thing he lists is a proud look. It doesn't say he dislikes or it's it's sin. No, it says the Lord hate. The Lord hate a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. So how convicting that should be to any and every Christian because any of us can be guilty of those things. John chapter eight and verse six, this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. They didn't have any real charge against the Lord. They were just trying to manufacture one. They just wanted to get him. They just wanted to to, uh, cut him off with words and accuse him and twist him up and stick something on him. But they really had nothing on him. And here Jesus stoops down and he wrote on the ground. There's There's no way of absolutely knowing what he wrote. People guess. People try, people speculate, but the simple fact of the matter is the Bible does not tell us. And let me just say this. The truth is, if Jesus wanted us to know what he wrote on that ground, he would have put it in the Bible. Amen. So it must have not been that important. John chapter 8, verse 7, next verse. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you. Let him first cast a stone at her. Now notice that, so when they continued, he didn't answer them. That wasn't good enough. Dissatisfied. Those Jews, they kept insisting that he make some reply. We got to get an answer out of him. And they continued to ask him. And so Jesus simply stated that the penalty of the law should be carried out. I want you to notice that. He did not deny that the penalty of the law should be carried out, but rather, but rather, it should be carried out by those that had committed no sin. Oh, how convicting that should be to us the next time we want to throw a rock at somebody. Oh, how powerful the words of Jesus are. Hey, you 
without sin, cast the first stone. That'll make you drop your rock right there because Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So Jesus upheld the law of Moses. He most certainly did. Jesus sure accused every one of these men of having sinned themselves. Jesus points it out to them that those who wish to judge others should be pure and innocent themselves. Like I said, the next time you're tempted to pick up a rock and throw it at somebody, you just think about that. Jesus said, hey, if you're going to judge them, you, the first one without sin casts the first stone. And let me just tell you, this verse condemns those who are already guilty even though nobody else knows about it. They're already guilty even though they've never been caught, but they know about it and God knows about it and that's all that needs to know about it, amen? God knows all. Verse number eight, and again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And you know, interestingly, these are the only places in the Bible that I know of where the Lord Jesus is writing anything. And he doesn't write it on a piece of paper or a pen. No, he writes it on the ground in the dirt. And that's been long been gone. Amen. But that's pretty interesting that that is the only place that we see in the Bible where Jesus had written something. Verse number nine. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Those who accused the woman were convicted by their own conscience. The words of Jesus had cut to the heart, to the bone, to the joint, to the marrow. Amen. And showed them what they really are on the inside. Oh, how the powerful the word of God is, how it opens you up and shows you what a sinner you really are. And it makes you uncomfortable. As you notice, the Bible says that they were convicted by their own conscience. In other words, the words of Jesus had opened them up and they seen themselves for what they really were. And that is sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hey, they had nothing else to say. Do you know that the truth has that effect? They had nothing else to stay. They couldn't dispute the truth. So one by one, they began to walk away and noticed who it started with. It didn't start with the young guys or the teenagers or the middle-aged people. No, the Bible says, beginning at the eldest, they started leaving, even unto the last. I want you to notice that. I believe that's very important. If you're older, if you're an elder, people will follow you, right or wrong. They will follow you. Amen. Please choose to do what is right. Verse number 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the women, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Hey, in wonderful grace, the Lord Jesus pointed out to the woman that all her accusers had vanished. They had gone. They were nowhere to be found. There was not even one single solitary person there left to condemn her. Verse number 11. She said, 
No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Hey, the Lord uttered those wonderful words. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's some great words. And Jesus said, I'm not condemning you. Thank God at the moment of salvation, I'm not condemned any more. Hey, in the first chapter of John, we, we learned that grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. And here is a great example. Will you accept Jesus today? Realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries Radio Broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.